Welcome today again, and those in the Life Center, welcome uh, to this time of worship. And those watching online, we're glad that you've tuned in and made this your church home as well. Today is the last message in the short series we've been doing called Reach Out. We've all felt that tension, I think, between reaching out to someone who needs the Lord and pulling back and remaining silent. We, every Christian probably has had those experiences where you know you need to speak to someone, you know you need to reach out, but at the same time there's that internal debate going on and you pull back. So here's what we've talked about so far in this series. Let me review the previous two messages with you. Week one, we talked about advance the gospel. And what we meant there, or talked about there, was that the circumstances we're in should not distract us from the mission we've been given. The Apostle Paul was in a prison cell, and yet he uses this phrase to advance the gospel. In other words, Paul taught us that what happens to us actually gives us opportunities, new opportunities, to share the gospel in new places and with new people. And so I ask you to make a very deliberate effort between now and the end of the year to really reach out to someone, whether that's sharing the gospel or whether it's inviting someone to church or or ministering to someone in need, but trying this year, for the remainder of this year, just to reach out. I hope that you're doing that as I am as well. And then the second week, last week, we talked about friendly church. Churches think that they're friendly because they're friendly with the members that they know. They talk to one another that they know and they assume that they're a friendly church, but we rarely look at what it's like to come into a building and you don't know anybody. And we learn through the story of Saul that God uses the church to help people grow in their faith. And that really there's a a gospel significance to be a welcoming church. We're not just trying to be a good social club, but there is a gospel significance to being a, a welcoming church. And, and I, ended, I ended last week by asking you to fight that gravitational pull towards having a church for church people. But instead, try to be a welcoming church because the church exists to help people who are far from God find and follow Jesus. And so let's have a church that has open arms and a loving heart. Now today, in the last message of this series, I want to speak to you about true value. Mark chapter 1 is going to be our text. If you'd like to open God's Word to Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 verses 40 through 45 is our text. A man with leprosy came to him, came to Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, He went out and began to talk freely, uh, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. When you're talking about the value of something, what you're really talking about is this. What is something worth? What is something worth? Or to say it another way, what are you willing to put on the table to make it yours? That's what we mean by value. 
the value of anything is basically the question of what are you willing to put on the table to make it yours? Uh, for example, I, I brought some of my Pepsi thermometers with me today. Uh, this one came off my back porch, my screened-in back porch. Uh, it's probably from the 60s. Uh, it's in decent shape. The color's faded. It's, it's beaten up. It's uh, bent on the bottom, kind of rusted. But it's in decent shape, and I enjoy it, and it hangs on my back porch. Then, I've got a, a similar one that doesn't hang on my back porch. It stays in a box. This one is actually, I think, older than this one. This one, I think, is from the 60s. I think this one is from the 50s. This one is called New Old Stock. It is like it was brand new, still in the box. I've got a really hard question for you. Which one of these is more valuable? Which one do you think? I think you said this one. Is that, let's just vote on it. Let's just be democratic, all right? All right. If you think this one is more valuable, raise your hand. It's not a trick question, by the way. All right? Some of you think this one's more valuable. If you think this one's more valuable, raise your hand. All right, very good. I don't understand how some of you voted for this one. I really don't get that. <laughs> it is a value. I mean, if you try to go buy this one, it's not cheap. But if you try to go buy this one, you'll find out that this one is of great value. Now, here's my point. God will never treat you that way. God will never say, you're more valuable because you, you have it all together. Nor will he say, you're less valuable because you're rough around the edges. You're less valuable because you're kind of beat up. Life's been a little hard on you and you're less valuable. No, God doesn't do the way we often do. See, we're attracted to that which is shiny and pristine and new. We are attracted to this. But God values them both. We're going to learn from Mark chapter 1, that very lesson. That the condition, listen, here's, here's what I want you to get. The condition of your life does not determine your worth before God. Hear that? The condition of your life does not determine your worth before God. So let's look at Mark chapter 1 and the story of the leper. In this story, Mark chapter 1, the leper and Jesus uh, are kind of, they're kind of intertwined in this conversation that we get to listen in on. Uh, let me get to the right book. Mark chapter 1. Look at verse uh, 40 again. A man with leprosy came to him, came to Jesus, and begged him on his knees. This shows uh, somewhat of the desperate condition of this man. He came to Jesus, he's a leper, and he came to Jesus on his knees, and he's begging Jesus to help him. Leprosy was a terrifying disease in that day because of, for two reasons. Because of the social rejection and the devastating physical impact the disease had on each individual. In fact, Bible scholar William Barclay has said that in the New Testament, there is no disease regarded with more terror or pity than leprosy. 
Barclay went on to say the leper was a man who was already dead, though he was still alive. Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, we don't have time to return there, but in Leviticus 13 and 14, it really declares what, leper, what the leper has to endure. In Leviticus 13 and 14, it is declared that anybody who has leprosy is, is declared unclean. And anyone who touches them becomes unclean as well. Now here's what that meant from a practical standpoint. If you were a leper and you were declared by the priest to be unclean, that meant that nobody could be around you. Which practically speaking meant that you were unable to live with your family anymore. You were not even able to live within a walled city anymore. You had to go outside the city. The only people you could associate with were other lepers. You couldn't participate in any religious activity. You were not allowed at the synagogue anymore or the temple anymore. You couldn't participate in any type of social activity at all. And so the victim not only had to bear the physical pain of the the disease, he also had to bear the mental anguish and the heartbreak of being completely banished from society. Now, because of COVID, I think we have at least a better understanding of what lepers went through. I'm not saying they're the same by any stretch of the imagination, but at least it has given us a little bit of an insight into what the, those who have leprosy endured. The parallels between the two diseases as far as the social stigma is quite interesting. I've had more than one person tell me who has had COVID or someone in their family who has had COVID. More than one person has said to me, I feel like a leper or I know what the lepers in the New Testament went through now because nobody wants to be around me. And I have to tell people that, that, that I've got COVID and they, they have to keep their distance. He said, uh, that, that's kind of the way it, it must have been for the lepers. Parallels are indeed interesting. At the first sign of the disease, the leper was immediately quarantined outside the city. If you read Leviticus 13, verses 4 and 5, it says this, The priest is, put, is to put the infected person in isolation for seven days. If the sore is unchanged, he is to keep him in isolation another seven days. Interesting parallels. If you were feared to have leprosy in that day, you were isolated. You were quarantined for seven to 14 days. Sound interesting? Sound kind of current? Herschel Hobbes, who is a, a Bible scholar, he's in heaven now, but he was a famed Southern Baptist preacher, Baptist scholar, past president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He has a commentary set on the Gospels, and I was reading it this week, and I had to go back and, and look at the copyright to see when he wrote these words, because what he was writing sounded like he was writing something out of today's newspaper. Herschel Hobbes, in 1970, wrote these words. He said, one rabbi boasted that he had thrown rocks at a leper to drive him away. And then, listen to what he said. They were not permitted to come nearer than six feet to a person. That the lepers had to maintain a distance of six feet. And then, listen to what he says, and I quote, And wherever a leper went, he was supposed to wear a mask or put his hand over his mouth. He was required to warn anyone approaching him by crying out, unclean, unclean. Now, I have not been able to verify what Dr. Hobbes said, but he's a PhD and a Bible scholar, and he says, at least, it was his opinion that in the days of Jesus, that the lepers kind of lived like we're living right now. 
They had to distance themselves at least six feet. They had to wear a mask. They had to declare themselves unclean. And again, I haven't been able to verify that. But it is interesting, at least, to have a perspective of what this man went through in Mark chapter 1. So with that background, I believe we can better understand this moving story that we see here. Look with me in Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Look at the text again. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. When I read that this week, my mind went back to the Catholic Basilica in Costa Rica. I have been there so many times, and a lot of you probably have been there with me, and you remember this scene, I'm sure, if you've been there. In the Catholic Basilica there in downtown Cartago, it's a beautiful cathedral, and if you were to go there, every time I've been there, I've seen people go down the aisles all the way, and it's a much longer aisle than what we have here. They'll go down the aisle on their knees, weeping and praying and begging Mary for help. I've seen it over and over and over, probably every trip that I went on. We would go there, and I would see people go go down that long aisle on their knees, begging and praying and weeping and hoping that Mary would do something to help them. This leper approached Jesus in much the same fashion. In verse 40, look at it one more time. A man with leprosy, a man with a disease for which there was no known cure, a man who had to be ostracized from his family and from all society, a man who bore the physical pain of leprosy as well as the mental anguish of that isolation and quarantine. A man with leprosy came to him, came to Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now it's interesting that the leper did not doubt the power of Jesus. He didn't say, if you're able But he was simply saying, if you're willing. In other words, he was not doubting the power of Jesus. He was just not sure about the attitude of Jesus towards a leper. This man wanted to be a person again. Not just a leper. He wanted to be a person again. He wanted to be reunited with his family. He wanted to be brought back into the community. And he knew that Jesus could do it. And the question though was this, will he? Would this rabbi named Jesus, would this rabbi throw stones at him too? And so he comes to Jesus on his knees and he's begging. And he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And I want you to notice something in the text. Before Jesus ever said a word to him, he did something else. In verse 41, before he ever spoke, he did something for this man. Verse 41. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Filled with compassion, moved with so much compassion and love, that before he spoke to this man, he reached out and touched him. While everyone else would have shunned him, while everyone else would have pulled back from him, Jesus literally reached out his hand and touched this man who was covered with the dreaded contagious disease of leprosy. And imagine what that must have been like for that man, for that leper, to feel that touch, that human touch that he probably hadn't felt perhaps in years. To feel the touch, and the very first touch that he's felt in years was the loving touch of the Son of God. Then he heard these words. 
with Jesus' hand or hands on him, he hears these words, I am willing to be clean. Verse 42, what's the very first word in verse 42? Talk to me. What's the very first word in verse 42? Immediately. It's not a long process. This was not go to the priest and show them. Uh, he did that once before uh, with some lepers. Go to the priest and as they were going, they were healed of the leprosy. But here Jesus said, I am willing, I believe with a smile on his face, touching this man that no one else would touch, reaching out to this man no one else would reach out to. Jesus perhaps smiled at him, but he definitely said to him, I'm willing to be clean. And the Bible says, immediately, the leprosy left him. This man was changed. His life was changed. His life was restored because Jesus didn't pull back. He reached out. That's a beautiful story, but what does it have to do with you and me? How does it apply to our lives? I want to give you one point that I want you to take home with you today. I just want to, based on the story, I want to give you a a point to remember, and here it is. We all need to remember that every person is of value to God. I know that you know that on a surface level, but let me dig down a little deeper with you. That every person is of value to God. This week, when you go wherever you go, you're going to meet people this week, and you're going to have that thought, I need to reach out to him. I need to reach out to her. And you're also probably going to have that debate, no, I'm going to pull back. No, this is not the right time. No, no, I'm going to be embarrassed. No, this is going to be awkward. We need to remember, ladies and gentlemen, that every person we encounter is of value to God. You see, the brokenness of a person never affects their value in God's eyes. Hey, if you're taking notes, write that down over in the Life Center. Write that down. Here's what I want you to hear. The brokenness of a person never affects the value of that person in God's eyes. Let me illustrate this for you. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21, there's the story of Jesus meeting with a man that we call the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler was a lot like my sign. The rich young ruler had it all together. The rich young ruler, he was the kind of guy that had everything. He had all the money you could imagine. He had prestige. He had power. He had his life together. He was a lot like this. And the Bible says... When Jesus looked at him, the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. He didn't look at him and love him because he had it all together. He looked at him and loved him because he recognized there was something in his soul that was missing. Something that he desperately needed. So Jesus looked at him and loved him. But isn't it interesting that we find out in this text, in Mark chapter 1, That when Jesus looked at the leper, the Bible says his heart was filled with compassion. See, the brokenness of a person does not change their value, their worth in God's eyes. Jesus looked at the leper and loved him because his soul was of great value. So whoever you meet this week, whether you think they are beyond the grace of God or not, every person is of value to God. Every person has great worth in God's eyes. I know some people are harder to reach than others. I know some people seem to have it together and some people don't. I know some people are are people that, you know, 
yeah, I could reach out to him, but, but that guy, that lady, I don't know about them. We all need to remind ourselves this week that every person has value to God because God doesn't look at the outside. God looks at the soul. See, the most valuable part of someone's life is not the way they appear. The most valuable part of someone's life is their soul. So here's what I want you to see. We reach out to people because they matter to God. Remember when I told you the word value means? The word value means uh, that what is something worth? It's, it's worth whatever someone's willing to put on the table to make it theirs, right? Can I remind you what Jesus put on the table to make you part of God's family? Can I remind you how much you are worth to God? 1 Corinthians 7.23 says, You were bought at a price. You are of value to God. You were bought at a price. And everybody is of value to God. Because you, they were bought at a price as well. And 1 Peter 1.19 tells us what that price was. 1 Peter 1.19 says, But He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God gave His one and only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save the entire world. He gave His one and only Son on the cross as a sacrifice because our souls matter to God. Because your life is broken doesn't mean that you're worthless. Because your life may not be as good as some people doesn't mean that you're worthless. You could be like the leper and not really have a whole lot to offer, but have a great need. You're not worthless. Do you remember the stories that Jesus told, told in Luke chapter 15? There was a story of three things that were lost, a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. And it's interesting when you look at the stories that the lostness of the item never affected its value. In fact, those things that were lost were of such great value that when they were found, there was a great celebration. And Jesus said that's the way it is in heaven. Because everybody has great value to God. You see, here's the reason we reach out to people. The bottom line reason is this. We reach out to people because they matter to God and God can change their lives. We reach out to people because they are important in the eyes of God. And they should be important to us as well. We're not reaching out simply to get people in church. We're not reaching out simply to be nice. We're reaching out because there are a lot of people who need the Lord. And many times they try to hide their brokenness. Many times they they try to uh, hide the fact that they struggle with sin. And in fact, the more they struggle with sin, sometimes the more they believe that God doesn't love them. That God couldn't possibly love someone who is so called up in sin like that. But here's the reason we need to reach out rather than pull back. No person is too disgusting for God to touch. No person is too disgusting for God to love. No person is too disgusting for God to change. So Jesus reached out His hand. And he said, I am willing to be clean.
And I've seen him do it again and again and again and again over the years. I am willing to be clean. We talked earlier about the Light of Moon Christmas offering as we were beginning the service. We watched that video of, of one of our missionaries in a Muslim country. You know why he's there? Because every person is of value to God. And God can change anybody's life. I was reading this week about one of our Southern Baptist missionaries. And this is a lady that you support every year that you give to Light of Moon Christmas offering. You're helping missionaries like this lady. This lady is an incredible example of the love of Christ because she moved her family to Kenya. Hundreds of thousands of boys, I'm told, sleep on the streets in Kenya. Now hear that number again. I didn't misstate that. Hundreds of thousands of boys sleep on the streets of Kenya. They're rejected by their families or they're seeking independence. They run away. Those boys are marginalized, they are beaten, they are exploited, they are abused, they are arrested. Many Kenyans regard them as worthless and not to be trusted. In fact, the Kenyans refer to these boys that live on the street, they call them trash eaters. That's the name for them, trash eaters. You and I have a missionary named Kristen Lowry. And she sees great value and great worth in these young boys that are running the streets of Kenya. So she went there and she started, not an orphanage, she went there and she started a a house to bring these boys in and to tell them about the love of God and that God can change anybody's life and sometimes to reunite them with their families. She's living in the midst of a cesspool. Because she knows that every person has value to God. You see, real value of a person is what's inside, not outside. Their body might be diseased like the leper. Their body might be deformed. Their body might be destroyed by the ravages of a sin-filled life. But the person on the inside is no less valuable to God because their life is messed up. No one is worthless and no one is hopeless. And when we read the story of this leper, you you need to understand, the story of the leper shows us that God loves the lowest of the low and God can change anybody's life. That's why we reach out. That's why we don't pull back. That's why throughout this week, as you're having opportunities to engage with people, you need to remember five words. When you want to reach out, but you're tempted to pull back, you need to remember five words. Because these five words will set the stage and the tone of the conversation. When you have that internal debate, and you're, you're wanting to say something, but you're also wanting to pull back, you, when you need to say these five words to yourself. This person is worth it. This person is worth it. I might embarrass myself, but this person is worth it. Yeah, it may be awkward, but this person is worth it. Yeah, I may not be able to really tell them everything the Bible says, but this person is worth it. Yeah, I may be rejected, but this person 
It's worth it. See, if they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. I want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. I want to talk to you with every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to understand with every head bowed, every eye closed, and those in the Life Center as well, uh, those watching online, I want you to understand that Jesus' love and His power go hand in hand. See both of those in the story of the leper. The love of Jesus, the Bible says, filled with compassion, He reached out and touched Him. We also see the power of Jesus because the Bible says, Jesus spoke and said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left Him. You see, the story of the leper shows us what can happen in someone's life when we humbly come to Jesus to do for us what only He can do. Have you ever brought your life to the Lord Jesus and asked Him to forgive you of your sins and cleanse your life, make you a new person? You matter to Him. You are of value to Him. And it doesn't matter how messed up your life may have become. The good news of the gospel is his heart is still filled with compassion when he sees you. And he's still reaching out to you as he is this very moment. Reaching out to you. Willing to heal you and change you and save you. If you're willing to humbly ask him to do so. Right where you're at, would you pray this prayer with me? Whether you're here in this building, in the Life Center, or watching online, right where you're at, would you pray this prayer? You can pray it silently. Nothing magical about these words. It's just the prayer of your heart that matters. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died in my place. I believe that you love me regardless of the condition of my life. So, Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to change me. I ask you to make me a new person. Surrender my life to you. Be my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for doing that in the blessed name of Jesus. Now here's what I like to ask you to do. Every head still bowed. Here's what I like to ask you to do. Whether you're here in this building, whether you're in the Life Center or watching online, would you let me know that you've prayed to receive Christ today? You can just go to to the website, go to mountaireabaptist.com, and there's a place where you can message us there. Just, Just send the message and say, Pastor, I prayed to receive Christ today, and then we want to take the next step to help you Uh, understand that next step and to help you begin to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Or for those of you who are in the building, I'll be out front and I'd love for you to come by and say hello and let me know if you've prayed to receive Christ. Father, thank you for your goodness, that your mercies are new every day. And thank you that for the wonderful truth that the condition of our lives does not change our worth before you. Praise you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen.